Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friends, Zach Kmack. Hello. And Alex Whiteclay. Hello, everybody. Alex, thanks for coming back on the show. Of course. Glad to be here. Uh, so we've got a spicy topic today. Uh, Gen Con was this past weekend, and we got our first official look at the cards and themes from the new Commander Precons. Mm-hmm. The themes of this year's decks are popular mechanics from the past. We've got blue-green, black morphs, blue-white-red flashback, white-green-red populate, and black-red madness. So before we jump into our discussion of these decks and the new cards spoiled from them, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access sweet rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. So with that out of the way, let's jump into today's topic. I want to start with an overall impression of the decks and mm-hmm. your guys' thoughts on the themes, the color identities. And then from there, we'll go into the commanders. We'll talk about how to build around them. And then we'll go into the main deck cards that we've seen so far. Yes. So let me start off with a question for you guys. What do you all think of the choice of returning mechanics for this year's theme? I I love it. I think it's a great way to design new commanders. Mm -hmm. Um, If the goal of the commander product is to open up lines of play that were hitherto unavailable, then... Focusing on mechanics that have been historically underserved seems like a really good way to create a product that people are going to be excited about. I I feel exactly the same way. I think that there's a lot of mechanics that people like a lot that they just aren't going to be able to fit anywhere. So why not? This is a great way to also to juice up the power level so it's commander playable. If they do this every year, I'll be super happy. Yeah, I definitely feel that there have been a bunch of cool mechanics over the past, you know, decades that really could use a commander to help bring those cards into the format. They're yeah. just not quite there, but with the right design could be commander playable. Yeah, I'm looking at you energy. <laughs> so I, I'm happy that they're doing this and I agree. I would love to see more of these types of decks and commanders in the future. And I guess I would add a comment. I think it's no accident, right? Like Lord Windgrace seems to be of the planeswalker commanders from the previous year's decks the one that has kind of had the most staying power Mm -hmm. and i think it's no accident that that just happens to be the premier landfall commander it's because it's serving a mechanic that people are interested in that Mm -hmm. it has had the ability to make such an impact on the format i think and also like it's a great way to get more of these cards with the mechanic into the pool of available cards because a lot of these mechanics aren't ones that can easily be revisited in a standard set. Yeah. <laughs> like they said that when they brought Madness back for Shadows Over Innistrad block, it was because everything broke in its favor. That Madness is a very difficult mechanic to bring back. And it's only because like, oh, it was a perfect thematic fit. Oh, we had like Delirium and we needed yeah. uh, discard outlets to get yeah. stuff in the graveyard. It's like so many things had to go right to get that into standard. Whereas, like, if it's just in a precon by itself, you don't have all these constraints on it. And it's the same way with, like, Morph. Like, if you want to introduce Morph in a standard legal set, you have to go out of your way to design a limited environment where Grey Ogres don't suck. And that's (laughs) a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that they can explore it here where it's good and doesn't have to serve any other masters other than let's make cool cards for Commander. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I feel that's especially true 
insofar as making cards that have like a big impact radius in a game Mm -hmm. like madness and morph are the kinds of mechanics that there are a few cards that are going to have the oomph to matter in your game of commander Mm -hmm. but the opportunity to maybe print a few more cards with that specific goal in mind will help those mechanics out a lot yeah definitely all right i've got another question for you all how do you feel about the four mechanics they chose to bring back for this year's precons? So that would be Morph, Flashback, Madness, and Populate. I think most of them are great. I think Madness really needed that, like to be competitive in Commander. The only one that didn't need it was Morph. And the reason why Flashback, I would say, didn't need it is because you couldn't really like build around it. Yeah. And we'll kind of get into more of that deck later. Mm-hmm. I play lots of flashback cards in decks, so it's it it's not like the mechanic is not powerful enough to build around. But the other ones, I I think were great choices. I think morph is great. I think like a dedicated morph commander that isn't just kind of a comboy animar deck is kind of a necessary thing. That would that's something that'll make a lot of people happy. In general, I was very happy to see these mechanics. I like that where they could they made these commanders sort of fill in for multiple mechanics so the morph commander works for morphs but it also works for megamorph megamorph well (laughs) (laughs) uh, manifest was what i was going to say yeah Ah, okay which is a mechanic that i think people really like but since there was not a great way to get a payout for it since morphs have no features they don't go in tribal (laughs) decks the cards that exist are not the most powerful, but by subsidizing both morphs and manifest, you end up with a deck that's going to be a lot more compelling. And we'll talk about that a bit more with the morph deck, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But to touch on populate, populate where I have seen it in a game feels like a mechanic that is doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And populate might be like the cat deck of this year where it's kind of going out on a limb, Mm -hmm. but I like that they took that risk with it. And despite it not having like a large pool of cards to draw from, they went with it just because it has the right features to matter in Commander. My main concern is the cases where there aren't enough cards for a mechanic to like really fill out a deck. So like Morph, I think it's a great choice. We've got three blocks worth of Morphs to choose from. You don't really feel like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for good cards to include in your Morph deck. Oh, yeah. But Populate, on the other hand, it's only ever been on 15 cards in like Return <laughs> to Ravnica and Dragon's Maze. And in both of those sets, it was like really squeezed for space because yeah. they had to have five guilds and five guild mechanics. And most of those cards were limited fodder. Yeah. Yeah. When your commander makes a rhino like you don't want to spend eight mana for horn collars chant to make a rhino and populate like ephemerate makes two rhinos for a single white mana a lot of these cards are just not going to be happy with running and so i don't know if populate was a great choice yeah we'll, we'll see i mean like i want to get back into that in the specifics right now it looks like it's not so much a populate deck like they're using populate just to deal massive amounts of damage yeah. as opposed to like build up an army of cool rhinos and elementals and birds and whatever like are there any other comments on the decks overall before we start talking about individual cards yeah so i actually maybe controversially would have liked to see a four color commander 
among one of these. Wizards has made it clear that they want four-color decks to exist in some capacity. There was an entire year where that was the theme. If they are going to stick with that, occasionally a four-color commander should maybe make an appearance. I actually specifically might say that flashback or playing things out of your graveyard would have been a good place for this just because multiple of the mechanics, flashback and aftermath, tend to be sort of pseudo-multicolored. So they take on a larger color identity than other cards naturally do. Perhaps in the interest of capturing a larger pool of eligible cards, it would have been interesting to see them experiment with a fourth color, if only to test the waters on it. Yeah, I was thinking about that specifically with Populate. populate, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Won't go too far in depth, but I feel like that's another design that could naturally have been four colors and it wouldn't have looked that weird. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that wizards, when the opportunity arises and it makes sense, they should design four color commanders, but they seem very reluctant to. They've designed five color commanders that probably could have been fine yeah. as four <laughs> colors and like not really change the, the cards that you're playing. Yeah. I, w- I want to get a little bit more into the color identities of these commanders. So white felt a little unusual for flashback cards. White doesn't have very many strong flashback cards, and it is probably the fifth best color in terms of flashback enablers. So I I suppose there are two very prominent counterexamples I can think of, but you need black in the color identity. So unburial (laughs) rights and lingering souls, Mm -hmm. phenomenally strong flashback cards in white. We did not get a black flashback commander Mm-hmm. We are not going to be able to play those phenomenally strong white flashback cards, which goes to my point of the more colors you add to a flashback commander, the more of these pseudo multicolored cards you get the opportunity to play. I also want to say that the populate deck, it would have made a lot of sense for it to be blue, maybe in place of red, maybe in addition to red. I think in addition, it would have been cool. But yeah, mm. but blue has a lot of effects that create token copies of things. And so populating token copies of things just feels awesome and yeah. cool. It's a lot of Johnny-ish fun. Yeah, you feel like you're cheating. You're like, I have so many Solemns right now. Yeah, you could do a little bit of that with red. You've got like your Kiki-Jiki or your Felden of the Third Path. But the red ones, there's not that many of them compared to the blue. Most of them are restricted to only copying your own things, whereas there's a lot of blue cards like Rite of Replication that copy your opponent's thing. So copying like your Consecrated Sphinx and then I'm going (laughs) to populate that feels so incredibly powerful. I almost wonder if there was a conscious decision made not to do that in that case because of the effect that would have on Brutaclad, Telcor Engineer. Maybe. that has kind of a similar line of play to what you're describing. Make mm-hmm. a token that's a copy of a really relevant creature and then create lots of that token. Maybe in the abundance of caution, they decided, well, we don't want to make a commander that's more colors that does the same thing. I, I have a counterpoint. To, well, not a counterpoint, but I have kind of the flip thing. I think it might have been that they made Brutaclad, and Brutaclad played pretty well. But then they went, oh my god, how do we keep track of these boards? And tried to not do that again. We have a friend uh, who made Brutaclad. He had to buy the uh, dry erase tokens so that he can be like, all right, this is an Inferno Titan. And this one is this. And then like set up all of his tokens and then be like, okay, now I have seven Inferno. And the board just 
it was a nightmare <laughs> to Maybe, take care of. <laughs> you know, I was a I was all set to complain about Gearhead's design later in this episode, but maybe I, Wizards is just next leveling me because, like, <laughs> they they made it so that no matter what, you are just going to be populating your rhinos. Whatever tokens you have on the board, you know for a fact they're all four four rhinos. <laughs> so that's that was you saying that about Brutoclad made me realize like maybe they. Maybe that was the reason. They just didn't want you to like have to track a whole bunch of different tokens. Yeah. See, but I almost wonder cuz I see it a different way. Like Broodclad naturally cleans up the board by making every token into a single kind of token. Like your board mm, is only going to get so complex. Oh, yeah, once eventually. You enter combat. Eventually, yeah, once Broodclad's down, it'll right. all he, he kind of tidies up, sweeps he, up, he consolidates. <laughs> I I could see well, we'll we'll talk about that more when we uh, Yeah. When we get to Gearhead. Sure. I think we can go ahead and move on to the commanders if yeah. anybody has any objections. Let's. No. So the first we're going to talk about today is Crick, uh, also known as Carrick, son of Yogmoth. It is four and then black Phyrexian, black Phyrexian, black Phyrexian. So seven <laughs> CMC for a legendary horror minion. He's a two two. He has lifelink and for each black in a cost, you may pay two life rather than pay that mana. And whenever you cast a black spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Carrick, son of Yogmoth. What do you all think of this design? It's interesting. It's <laughs> yeah. strong. Uh, I I don't know how much more really there is to say. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're you know you're going to want mono black cards that are very mono black yeah the big thing is like i kept looking i spent over an hour yesterday trying to find black activated abilities that are busted with this and i think the most surprising thing about this guy is that he looks really really insane like incredibly broken and then when you actually dig in you go oh okay i guess that's not 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 that busted not that bad like he's a really really good player in a lot of like two and three card like if you can get the perfect two and three cards together oh man you're going off but like as the leader of a deck he's a a lot more fair than he looks yeah i think it's unfortunate that he was printed so soon after bolus's citadel (laughs) yeah it's true because he's basically like half a bolus's citadel Mm -hmm. and all the effort you put into assembling this combos just makes you feel you know why don't I just play Bolus's Citadel? Yeah, I could just demonic tutor <laughs> for my Bolus's Citadel, and then I don't need to spend my command zone slot on this guy. <laughs> but that's kind of like the feeling I get when playing with him. So basically, he allows you to convert life into a very specific kind of mana. So the first thing you want to do is like figure out a way to get a bunch of life. Okay, well, Aetherflux Reservoir solves that. If you're comboing off, that's going to provide all the life you need. Yeah, you're going to start gaining life off of it. Yeah. And then, so next you have to solve for cards, and the best way to do that is probably with Vilas. Uh, so Vilas is whenever you pay life, draw that many cards. Another way you could do it is like um, Null Perfusion, whenever you play a spell, or whenever you play a card, draw a card. So those are both two good mono black engines, but it's like, if you have to get this one life engine, Aetherflux Reservoir, and this like card draw engine that's super powerful in Vilas or Null Perfusion, just to make your commander's engine work, like, did you really need yeah. a commander in the first place? Well, I suppose to Carrick's credit here, at least your Diabolic Tutor 
is a demonic tutor in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. You can run lots of bad tutors in order to set up this combo. Yeah, I, I, I do want to say, uh, because the first two cards you mentioned are fairly recent and common in the format, uh, Null Perfusion, though, is not a, an all-star. So Null Perfusion is a black enchantment from Planar Chaos. It's uh, the color-shifted Recycle, if you know that card, listeners. Uh, commonly known card Recycle. Oh, yeah, Go yeah. On. It's four black black. It has skip your draw step. It also has whenever you play a card, draw a card, and your maximum hand size is two. So um, a very goofy, goofy card from the past uh, that works very well with Carrick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you were at home going like, wait, no profusion. There you go. Now you know. And we even today learned about Recycle. There you go. Yeah, and Recycle. Black decks. Yeah, Recycle's the exact same card, except it's four green green. Mm -hmm. There you go. Great. Yeah, wow. Uh, there's one other potential line that you can take with Carrick. If you're not trying to build this goofy engine, there's a couple cards, Shades Form and Shades Breath, Mm -hmm. that turn Carrick into a shade, so you can pay black mana to give him plus plus one. So with his ability, you can instead pay two life to give him plus plus one. And because he has lifelink, if you were to say, like, give him double strike or have him do double damage with, like, an Inquisitor's Flail, then you can pay... X, X life, give him plus X, plus X, and then deal X, X damage and gain all that life back. <laughs> yeah. So it's a way to... It's a build your own hatred. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, just you can also just run hatred. You can also run right. hatred. Very true. He's very good with hatred. <laughs> yeah, it makes it cost three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. wow. So, yeah, this guy, interesting. He's a weird, weird dude. But I think the next four commanders, we all have a, a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yes. Uh, Certainly. Do you want, can I read this next lady off? Go right ahead. So this is Angie? Is that what this is? Angie, I think, yeah. Yeah. Is it Angie? Okay. Let's go with Angie. Okay, so this is Angie Falconrath. Uh, She is a 1-3 vampire for one black red. She has haste. She has tap, discard a card, draw a card, so a rummager. She also has whenever you discard a card, if that has madness, untap Angie. I really love designs like this because it, there's so much going on and it looks so simple. Mm-hmm. I, I think like the the level one is like I'm gonna put a bunch of madness cards in my deck, but if you just goldfish with it once, you realize that you're never actually gonna be casting those madness cards because <laughs> what the madness cards are doing for you are effectively reducing the size of your deck from 99 minus the 38 madness cards in this color identity so you're basically only running a 60 card deck and that means that anything that is normally too inconsistent in commander becomes way more consistent in an angie (laughs) deck um so like if you have a bunch of tutors and you're trying to assemble combos that's so much easier with this commander because you just have so many fewer cards to draw through so i think that the best combo and it's fortunate that this combo synergizes with your commander but world gorger dragon and animate dead although you can sub in necromancy or dance of the dead for animate dead and if you aren't familiar with these cards world gorger dragon is three red 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 for a seven seven dragon with flying trample it has when it enters the battlefield exile all other permanents you control and when it leaves the battlefield return the exiled cards to the battlefield under your control i suppose i should read out animate dead I'm sorry, this is going to take a while because there's a lot of text. (laughs) Okay, Animate Dead is one of the black for an enchantment aura, enchant creature card in a graveyard. When Animate Dead enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, 
It loses enchant creature card in a graveyard and gains enchant creature put onto the battlefield with animate dead. Return enchanted creature card to the battlefield under your control and attach animate dead to it. When animate dead leaves the battlefield, that creature's controller sacrifices it. Enchanted creature gets minus one minus zero. <laughs> Classic. Okay, so all you really need to know the, the the two lines of text from that that huge wall that actually matters are animate dead brings a creature back from your graveyard to the battlefield and enchants it. And then when animate dead leaves the battlefield, the enchanted creature you sacrifice it. What happens with World Gorger Dragon is World Gorger <laughs> Dragon is in your graveyard. You cast animate dead. You bring back World Gorger Dragon. World Gorger Dragon exiles all other permanents you control, including Animate Dead. Animate Dead triggers because when it leaves the battlefield, it forces you to sacrifice your World Gorger Dragon. World Gorger Dragon goes back to the graveyard, and then its second ability triggers, and it returns everything else that was exiled to the battlefield under your control. So that means that Animate Dead is brought back. It also means that all of your lands are brought back untapped, and it also means that Angie is brought back to the battlefield untapped. So what you can do is animate dead comes back to the battlefield. You target world gorger again, but before its ability resolves and you bring back world gorger, you tap all your lands. And if you want to, you can activate Angie and rummage another card. So you just continue going through that loop and you generate infinite mana and infinite rummaging. So if there's anything in your deck that you want in your hand, you've got it. Comet storm. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Comet storm works great. There's a, a lot of cards that can serve as the win condition because you only need one in the deck and you're guaranteed to draw it. That's like how you win with this deck. And the rest of it is just a bunch of tutors to set that up. You know, Entomb works great. Scheming Symmetry is actually pretty good in this deck. And then a whole bunch of Madness cards as filler to, to make it so you're more likely to draw the good stuff. So a comment on this deck idea. For anyone out there who wants to use Angie uh, Falconrath not in that way you are advised to do the i guess i'll call it the niv mizzet disclaimer mm-hmm. where yeah. when you sit down at the table you say i am not running world gorger dragon this will be a normal game of magic but with that said world gorger dragon animate dead is a combo that has been a staple of kitchen table magic for years yeah. before commander kind of took off and there had never really been a great vector for it Mm -hmm. you know you could play it in any red black deck but there was not a deck that like really latched onto that specific line of play yeah there's not a reason to play it in any red black right so i guess it's nice to see that that finally has like a home in the format at a pretty aggressive cost ng falconrath is a three mana creature with haste Mm -hmm. so you're gonna get this going presumably by turn four rather consistently Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm vampiric tutor into animate dead on turn four and there you go you've assembled your combo i'm going to post a link to the official commander theory deck list for this you all are welcome to take a look at it borrow some ideas goldfish with it and it is extremely consistent and powerful that being said i do have a criticism of angie yes i think it's worth talking about her value as a madness commander She certainly encourages you to play as many Madness cards as possible. If more Madness cards are going to be printed in these decks, I'm going to put all of them into the Angie deck. I'm going to run as many Madness cards as I possibly can. But she doesn't really encourage the Madness style of gameplay. When I think of what a Madness deck should be like, it's slower and grindier because like 
I get to essentially draw an extra card off of like my discard outlets and I get to save a little bit of mana because mana's costs are usually cheaper than the original cost. So it's like I'm grinding out a little bit of value by building around this very specific mechanic. But with an Angie deck, it's probably not worth wasting your mana to cast these random madness cards because you want to save your mana for like the tutors and combo pieces that are actually going to win you the game. You're doing everything in a single turn. You don't have time to grind out value. Yeah. Then the question becomes, I guess, what would have been a better alternative? What would that look like? Let me work backwards from the outcome. Because I think right now with this design, you could replace the word madness in her text box with like menace or wither. And the deck would play exactly the same. You'd run as many of those cards with those mechanics as you possibly can just because it helps you get to what you're actually trying to do faster. So I don't think like unrestricted rummaging is a good pathway. I definitely think she probably needs to be a discard outlet or reward you for discarding cards. But just the fact that you can and now I have 30 cards in my graveyard. I I just churned through my library to find what I want. I, I don't like that. Maybe like a mana activation, discard a card, get some sort of value. Maybe like cost reduction rather than card draw attached to this well, card. I, I think that like the rummaging, haste rummaging is cool. What I think is the untap. I think like if it didn't untap, if it gave you some other reward for like when you cast a madness card, some other reward. Or if it's untap trigger was not discarding a card with madness. Mm-hmm. If it was yeah. maybe untapped on each opponent's turn or when it yeah, something died, something, something like that. Like that. Or it could have been as simple as whenever you cast a card with madness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's not just like, and And then then you're actually incentivized to do the thing. Right. I do. Yeah, I like that. I I like the untap on turns and I like that one because then you actually are playing your madness cards. Yeah. (laughs) And then they'd be forced to make good madness cards. I think if you do choose to play it as the fair madness deck you will be satisfied with that result i don't i mm-hmm. don't necessarily think that if you sit down and intend to play your madness cards you'll feel bad you know if you don't want to win with a combo mm-hmm. which i guess that's sort of a, a philosophical argument of like what what did you <laughs> intend to do when you built the deck i also feel like in the distant future there will be cards printed where angie is the proper commander for them like, just the fact that she's a discard outlet means that she's going to facilitate a lot more archetypes in the future, I think. Even if this is obviously, like, this streamlined, most powerful pressure washer angle yeah. you can go. Even though, like, they printed a commander for which you are going to be running 40 Madness cards, I don't know if Madness was the best choice. Because if you look at the, the existing Madness cards, yeah, there's 38 of them, but... Most of them are just limited fodder. There's about 10 Madness cards in black and red that you really want to be casting and that you'll feel good if you are setting out to build a Madness deck that plays its Madness cards. There's 10 that you feel good about, and then there's a lot of chaff and filler that is not going to be great. Right, right. Depending on whether a three mana four three is any good in your your meta, yeah, (laughs) which it probably isn't. Well, you did essentially draw a card off of it. That's very true. It was card neutral, which is always a great place to be. And you ignored timing restrictions on it. True. You flashed it in, maybe ate another creature on the way in. It's probably a kill spell, right? Yeah. Well, 
Okay, Although, all right, that's some value. No, no one's going to attack into that. Yeah. that <laughs> any <laughs> amount of untapped mana. I've got an Angie and five mana. Please, <laughs> come at me. Right, right. You're sitting there eyeing everybody like, hoo, hoo, hoo. What, you, what am I going to do? You're going to kill their creature on the block is what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, are, are you all ready to move on to the next commander? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay, it is Gerard Weatherlight Hero. He is two red-white for a 3-3 human soldier. He's got first strike, and when Gerard Weatherlight Hero dies, exile it and return to the battlefield all artifact and creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. There's a lot going on. First thing (laughs) I want to make clear is he doesn't have to be exiled. Yeah. This is not like an Academy Rector trigger or an Arena Rector trigger where that specifically says when it dies, you may exile it. If you do, then you get the cool thing. It's like, no, this is what's going to happen. And if you pull a switcheroo and suddenly Gerard is like back on the battlefield wearing a Nim Death Mantle, the trigger still resolves and you get all your stuff back. That's something you should be thinking about when you're building your deck because just sending it back to the command zone, it's like now he costs six, now he costs eight. It's a lot harder to do the, the fun broken loops Mm. that is kind of what this deck is all about now it's actually interesting (laughs) that you bring up that as the point that this deck is all about i saw this and immediately thought something completely different which is jokel hops Mm. (laughs) establish a board cast gerard destroy all artifacts creatures and lands gerard goes to the graveyard you exile him you get back everything except gerard and your lands presumably your opponents are not going to be able to fight your board yeah yeah hopefully it's interesting though (laughs) this deck has multiple avenues to victory and i think that that is most exciting because of its color identity Mm -hmm. this is opening up something that was two lines of play that were not possible in red white and just overnight now there's this new joyra-esque kind of deck with this combo alternate win Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very cool i i think that the the great thing about this deck being in red white is that because you basically don't have access to tutors or efficient card draw you can run both of those plans and then just whatever you look into yeah whatever (laughs) comes up comes up yeah do you guys want to talk about like some specific cards that work well with yours yes Yes, all right you go ahead and start you you sound excited so razia's purification (laughs) which is red white four for a sorcery Each player chooses three permanents from among permanents they control and sacrifices the rest. Oh, yeah. No three permanents that any opponent will choose is going to be three lands and your entire board. There's just (laughs) no way. Not only did that card want a home in Commander, that card's wanted a home anywhere since it's been printed. It was uh, printed in Ravnica City of Guilds to give all of you listening some time frame here. It's finally got it. You know, obliterate had plenty of uses, but Razi's purification, red, white. You can't run that in Joyra. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. run it in Gerard. Nice. Beautiful. I used to run it when I had Zakama put together because <laughs> it's like if I have a Gilded Lotus and Zakama and literally anything else, there's like, you can't, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to stick anything. There's no way you're going to win. So, but I do agree with you. I think that is awesome. It's much nicer to see that in this deck because you feel like very sneaky or like, <laughs> Right. Some other mass destruction effects that are pretty good here. Navinural's Disc and Oblivion Stone, both mm-hmm. of which are artifacts and so will be returned by <laughs> Gerard. 
so you can do it again next turn. Whoa. Seems good. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Can I talk about the ways to get them back? Yeah, let's let's hear some of those. There's actually a way more than it seemed like at first glance because he does not have to exile himself. If you have a gift of immortality on him, which is just two white enchant creature, uh, when an enchanted creature dies, return to the battlefield at end of turn, return gift of immortality to the creature if it's still there. Loyal retainers, before your combat, you can sack loyal retainers to return a legendary creature that was put there from the battlefield this turn. So basically, like, in response to the trigger, you can sack it and they come back and they get Gerard back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really silly. So not only will they bring Gerard back, Gerard will bring them back. Yeah, it's so, so it's, funny. It's cool that Gerard doesn't care about what dies before he dies. Yeah. He just cares what... Or about, how that happened. Yeah. He just cares about the things that died before his trigger resolved. Mm-hmm. So you can like put that trigger on the stack, do a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to sack this, 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 <laughs> and then get them all back still. Right. And which then, then goes to the point of Nim Deathmantle, which yep. turns this deck into a combo deck. Nim Deathmantle, it's a two-mana equipment, makes the equipped creature plus two, plus two, intimidate, and is black. Whenever a creature you control dies, you can pay four to return it to the battlefield with Nim Deathmantle attached to it. It's always kind of been a card that has had combo potential with uh, things like Cathodian uh, and Suchi, which when they die, they make mana. Suchi. So you use those with either uh, Phyrexian Altar or Ashnod's Altar. The former is three mana, sack a creature, get a mana of any color. The latter is three mana for an artifact, sack a creature, make two generic. Both of which, with Gerard, you can sacrifice any other creature and Gerard for four mana, death mantle him back, and you get whatever enter the battlefield or leave the battlefield abilities that first creature has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Another thing that's great in this deck, ETB creatures, dies creatures, as you mentioned, artifacts that generate value when they enter the battlefield or when you sacrifice them. So there's a lot of like eggsy kind of stuff. Commander Sphere is great here. Things like Chromatic Sphere, Chromatic Star, mana neutral ways to draw cards mm-hmm. awesome in this deck anything that second sunrise would work well with so too will gerard yes oh yeah absolutely do you guys have any additional things you want to say about gerard i would just like to echo what was said earlier which is that because this is a color pair that is not going to have a lot of card selection this deck is going to play differently a lot yeah. and i think that that will be one of its strongest features in in a lot of ways it reminds me of feather where you just you kind of end up with what you end up with yeah. your game plan <laughs> is dictated by that opening hand yeah it's so true though it's a fun way to play like the combo decks that do the same thing every time they're gonna do what they're gonna do but kind of leaving it to chance every now and again can be fun yeah so. yeah gerard reminds me a lot of teshar teshar's got the same thing where it's just like you don't know what you're gonna get right you're gonna get there somehow <laughs> But how are you going to get there? Yeah, but Gerard has that extra added bonus of like, oh, and I also get to play Goblin Engineer? (laughs) Sick. (laughs) (laughs) One last question before we move on to the next commander. Do you think Gerard has been redeemed? Oh, I would say yeah. I think this is great. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Gerard. This is your true form. This is your true form. The next commander, it's Gired Conclave Exile. Two red, green, white for a human shaman. He's a 2-5, and when he enters the battlefield, create a 4-4 green rhino creature token with trample. When Gired attacks, populate. 
The token enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. What are your thoughts on this card? So as we discussed earlier, adding populate to red or blue does a ton for that mechanic. Tristani is green, green, white, white for a two, five. One of its abilities is one green, white, tap, populate. That really limited the kinds of tokens you could make. By adding red, you get things like Kiki-Jiki, Felden of the Third Path, Flame Rush Rider, Flame Shadow Conjuring, all of which create tokens on the cheap of cards that have more value than just being a body. Mm -hmm. I think that's very exciting. But as will be mentioned later, it might not be the most efficient use of this card. There's tension here just because the enter the battlefield ability and the attack ability don't play nicely together all the time on a creature that doesn't have haste. Mm-hmm. 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 My, my thoughts on this card is I'm, I'm going to talk on the, the efficiency thing that you, you introduced. Basically, with a lot of commanders, the kind of designs I like to see are here is one half of like a cool interaction and I want you to fill your deck with the other half. But with Gired, he both poses a question and answers it. He, he asks you, what should I populate? And then like you're about to answer, you're like scratching your head and he's like, a rhino, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so with Gired, it's pretty easy to get him down really early in the game. It's not that hard to just get him down on turn three and then on turn four, five, six, you're attacking for 10, 14, 18. And that's not even with other populate effects or other ways to generate. Or, or tokens or pump or anything. Or, or more fancy kinds of tokens. That is such a better route to victory, just getting him down early and letting him do his thing every turn. And also, it's worth mentioning that there is an infinite combo that is really easy to assemble with oh, this deck. Yeah. Breath of Fury. It's an aura, and it is two red-red enchanted creature you control. Whenever enchanted creature deals combat damage to a player, sack it and attach Breath of Fury to a creature you control. So, like, the creature hits, you sack it and put it on another one. If you do, untap all creatures you control, and after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. So, you put it on Rhino number one. You get in there, you populate the rhino. Rhino number one hits an opponent. You sack the rhino. Breath of Fury goes, heck yeah, I'm going to go on rhino number two. You untap all your guys. You attack. You make rhino number three. Rhino number two hits the guy, and you just add infinium or add until there's a blocker. There's a pretty easy to assemble infinite combo. You're on color for a lot of enchantment tutors. Yeah. So like the game plan of I'm going to hit you with a ton of rhinos really early in the game and maybe I'll luck into a tutor so I can hit you forever. Like <laughs> like that's so strong and it's so much better than most of the other stuff you could be doing with populate. To to me the fun of populate is like I'm going to make bigger and bigger tokens and then I'm going to populate this like 6/6 six, six worm Right, or crossing your fingers, hoping to have a flame shadow conjuring of a Tristani summoner or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but the thing is, all of that is just like way slower and less powerful than the just main killing game plan. someone. Yeah. So then, I yeah. guess the question becomes: How many card slots does Plan A take up, and how often will Plan B just be what you kind of fall back on? So I have a gear red list. Plan A doesn't take up that many slots i can't imagine right because it's going to be a normal kind of ramp kit and then maybe five cards at most are breath of fury or tutors for it exactly i also threw in a bunch of blink effects 
like like I mentioned earlier, there's not that many populate cards. You run the few good ones that are applicable to this deck. Because he enters the battlefield and makes a 4-4, a lot of the time it's just cheaper to just cast a cloud shift or like an ephemerate (laughs) and get your tokens that way than to try to populate them. And then I I ran some things like Life's Legacy, two mana sorcery as initial cost to cast it, sacrifice a creature, draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power. So... Mm -hmm. Draw four cards off of one of your your rhinos. Just Ma- not the last one. Just not the last Just one. Just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> There's mouth. Oh uh, yeah, sure. I love Perfect. mouth. Mouth yeah. to feed. So mouth is two and a green sorcery. Create a three three green hippo creature token, and then feed is three and a green sorcery aftermath. Draw a card for each creature you control with power three or greater. Mm-hmm. So this deck is pretty good at making lots of rhinos, and then you can feed them all, draw a bunch of cards. There are some good overrun effects overwhelming stampede or triumph of the hordes Mm -hmm. some things that trigger off of big creatures enter the ring of the battlefield like kavu lair draws you a card elemental bond draws you a card greater good sacks of rhinos a whole bunch of cards and then i filled out the deck with like tutors for um breath of fury and then some things like good stuff spot removal Mm -hmm. so if you wanted to you could make a deck that's feels complete and doesn't have any of the plan b but there is a lot of flex slots Mm -hmm. that could be devoted to plan b type stuff sure sure Mm -hmm. and again that's going to be a philosophical decision for the listeners at home Mm -hmm. yes i fully expect a lot of kitchen tables to have three or four like inferno titans or sun titans on them in Mm -hmm. the coming months yeah yeah i can see that happening too high value creatures that make tokens like mer battle sphere yeah exactly and to be fair things like felden of the third path th- those are not so inefficient you know oh, they, no. they fall on the curve in a pretty satisfying way with this five cmc commander mm-hmm. so felden in particular is just great yeah felden <laughs> just... felden seems like you could do some really wacky stuff real quick like mm-hmm. udvara hellkite or something Ooh, yeah. yeah having multiple udvara hellkites uh in token form yeah, it seems good. Yeah. Do you all want to move on to the next person? Uh, I am ready. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Can you pronounce this person's name? Did we ever get a proper pronunciation on this? So I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. It looks like it says Savine I to think me. it's Savine. Savine the Chronoclasm? Savine? I'll, Savine? I'll take Savine or Savin. Savin? Because hmm. it's got, Savine. Savine sounds good. It's got the double N... Yeah, it's a very it's a it's a tough name for sure. Savini, 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 Savini the Chronoclasm. Yeah, is a glad we settled on the pronunciation. (laughs) Is a two-two human wizard uh, for two blue, red, white. They have prevent all damage that would be dealt to Savine. They also have whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Yeah, so this is the flashback. They didn't specifically say flashback in the text box of this card. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. That's actually wonderful. There's a ton of angles on this card also. I think like the first one that uh, we had noted was that just like, this is probably the best Earthquake commander so far. One of them. One of them. There, there is Firesong and Sunspeak. There's Firesong. Well, that costs, that costs six. <laughs> I mean, Boros. one less. Yeah, but this doesn't die if you do, like, for eight. X That's equals true. eight. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Actually, honestly, Neheb 2.0 might still... Okay. Um, that one's solid. That's too. pretty solid. Yeah, okay. that is very, very okay. good. I rescind my statement. It's one of the best. Yeah. It's up Definitely. There. It's in the running. Mm-hmm. So, I saw this card... And kind of delved into what it was that this did. 
there are four keyword mechanics that really work with this. Flashback, retrace, aftermath, and jumpstart. Flashback and aftermath tend to be one color on the front end and one color on the back end. You need like a different color of mana to do the second iteration of the spell. I guess the other issue, right, is in the colors that we have, it feels kind of bad that there are so many nombos, like non-functioning sort of things. Mm -hmm. Just to name a few, commit to memory. The memory half doesn't matter to copy. Just be time-twistering again. Dusk to dawn, your graveyard is already emptied out of creatures. You don't need to do that a second time. Divine reckoning, you're just going to pick the one creature you picked the first time. Echo of Eons, again, not a huge reason to Time Twister twice. Past in Flames, also, they already have Flashback, you don't need to do that again. Throws of Chaos just doesn't actually do what it says. You get the Cascade, but the second spell has no text, so that doesn't work. And then Waves of Aggression, which is you get another combat step, you get another main phase. It only untaps your creature's the first time so in the second extra combat step you have no untapped creatures yeah so there's a ton of cards that would be really interesting if they worked Mm -hmm. well copied and uh we just don't have that here but what we do have is a ton a ton of card draw Mm -hmm. yeah so many cards (laughs) I, i could i could rattle off 15 here i've got them all, all listed. I don't know if you have a deck list up for this one yet. Not one I'm happy with. I, I had a little trouble building around this. Computer. Yeah, and you, you probably are looking at the same thing I did, right? Like you can you can do your chemistries inside and your dream twists and fill your graveyard up and move your hand around and put what into your graveyard? What are you digging for? Yeah, and also the fact that it's limited to one spell per turn yeah. really prevents you from doing the combo-y stuff because like, it's like, man, I can draw so many cards relatively efficiently once, and then that's it. <laughs> right, and and I suppose at least some of them, right, are instants. You get some of the, the jumpstart draw spells are instants. Mm-hmm. Una's Grace is a pretty decent instant you can play on each player's turn. You can also run, like, Vidalcan Orrery and Leyline of Anticipation to give everything flash. Right. And then you can get it multiple times for a round of turn. You can fla- flash back your Faithless Looting on someone else's turn. Oh, But... Again, what's the what's the game plan here, and how is this more efficient than, say, Angie Falconry? It really isn't. I think that for some of the other commanders where they clearly put some restrictions on him to prevent the comboing, like, you can still work around it. We'll, we'll get more into that when we talk about the morph commander. Yeah. <laughs> but with this one, it's just so hard to break. I think it's because the reward is not appropriate. I think that we needed a better reward in order to really make this this thing gel. I would agree to that. Although, to be fair, my understanding is this will work with Raul Storm Conjurer. You can make this a combo deck. You got to watch out for randomly discarding it to Desperate Ravings or something like that <laughs> because you don't really get a second chance at that Planeswalker. But Refuse to Cooperate and Increasing Vengeance are both copy spells that you can play out of the graveyard. So you play Cooperate out of the graveyard. Mm-hmm. It's your first of the turn. You target whatever your, you know, ponder cooperate triggers uh savine you target the original cooperate with the copy of cooperate Mm -hmm. you make a new cooperate you have that copy target the original cooperate let me ask you a couple questions very quickly then in your research 
were there any very compelling white cards that made you <laughs> think like, oh, okay, that's why this deck is white? No, not at all. Uh, Definitely okay. not. And here's another question. If you wanted to do RAL Storm Conduit combo, would you prefer to run RAL as your commander if Planeswalkers were illegal in commander? <laughs> so here's the thing. You're going to need to build the deck slightly differently. You're going to, instead of just sort of willy-nilly putting refuse to cooperate or increasing vengeance into your graveyard, you're going to have to be a little more cautious and use two copy target spell effects from mm. your hand. But it's going to be much, much easier since, you know, you can run way more copy effects than just these two. I feel like what Savine is doing for that combo is way more replaceable than what Ral is doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take a moment to comment on Savine's reclamation. It's, I guess, the signature spell of Savine here. Well, I just wanted to note, it does get back Bosium Strip. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm. There you go. So Classic. Bosium Strip works with Savine. It works with Savine's rep- Reclamation. <laughs> uh, for those unfamiliar, Bosium Strip, three mana artifact. It has three tap. This turn, as long as the top card of your graveyard, the graveyard order matters card here. Mm, classic. T- as long as the top card of your graveyard is an instant or sorcery, you may cast that card. If it would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Let you flashback anything. Yeah, I used to see this a lot on kitchen tables. Interesting card. Graveyard order does matter, and you're going to have to let everyone know when you start the game. Well, an alternate win condition, if they mess with theirs, you can Zedru it over to them. Ooh. Wow. Call the judge. Right, that's right. Yeah, like judge? Uh, you know, as every kitchen table is going to do. <laughs> Powerful. Next uh, level. I have a couple pieces of tech I want to briefly call out. Oh, yeah. Another thing you can do to make use of her prevent damage ability is you can slap a pariah or a pariah's shield on her. Pariah and pariah's shield both essentially do the same thing. All damage that would be dealt to you is dealt to enchanted creature or equipped creature instead. So you are invulnerable because Savine is invulnerable and they have to spend actual removal to stop that. Another thing you can do, Secrets of the Dead, Mm -hmm. is two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, draw a card. So in a flashback deck, that'll get you some gas. Anything else you want to talk about related to Savine before we move on? We said this with other cards, too. We're going to say it with the next commander. Uh, Flash is very good here because you can trigger the, the last line multiple times in a round of turns. I would just add that Call the Skybreaker. It's not good. I love it, but it works here. You know, that's how you want to win. I do love that weird blob elemental token they made for that card, though. Yeah, the space Mm -hmm. fish. It's like, (laughs) what is this? This is wonderful. Um, All right, last commander I think we got today. That is correct. Yeah, so this is Kadena, a slinking sorcerer. Uh, Kadena is a 3-3 Naga wizard for one black, green, blue, so four CMC. The first face-down creature spell you cast each turn costs three less to cast. Whenever a face-down creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So this is the morph commander. Black, green, blue is, I think, actually really good colors for the morph commander to be. Since Animar was sort of the de facto morph commander prior to Kadena being mm-hmm. spoiled, mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have a commander that is not rewarding you for just playing high CMC creatures with no colored mana requirements. Once you get past the morph phase, oh, yeah. <laughs> because at a certain point you go, well, Animar is 
large enough that this Eldrazi Titan yeah. costs one mana. So yeah. I guess I'll play this now. I like Animorphs, but I like it because the plan B is actually using your morphs. In the same way that Angie isn't really a Madness Commander, Animar wasn't really a Morph Commander. You pack your deck full of them because they're free and just enable you to go crazy, but you don't actually care that they are morphs. Like, you could have just picked every, like... You could have picked Artifact Creature. Yeah, exactly. So you just as well play Mur. Yeah, it yeah, didn't, it didn't matter. It was just, like, a funny way to build the deck. Right. I like this a lot better as an actual morph commander. And I think we got some tech now to go into. Flash Granners, of course, are very good. It says the first face down creature spell you cast each turn. So that includes your opponent's turns. Mm-hmm. So if you're only casting morphs on your own turn, then once per turn you get the, the cost reduction. But if you've got a Ley Line of Anticipation or a Teferi, Mage of Zalfir, or Vidalcan Orrery, or a Vivian Champion of the Wilds, yeah. then you can cast your morphs and get the cost reduction on each opponent's turn as well and draw a whole bunch more cards and get a whole bunch more morphs on the board mm-hmm. each round. For free. Another thing you can do is you can just play other cost reduction effects. Heartless Summoning seems very good in this deck. It's one in a black for an enchantment. Creature spells you cast cost two generic less to cast. And creatures you control get minus one, minus one. So your morphs, they're still alive. They're a little bit weaker, but you can cast them for one mana. And that's a lot more morphs you get to cast per turn. Semblance Anvil is a three cost artifact with imprint. You can exile a card in your hand on it. And then spells you cast that share a type with the exiled card cost two less to cast. So that's another great way to significantly reduce the cost of your morphs. There's also like Dream Chisel, Obscuring Aether, both of those reduce the cost of your face down creature spells by one. And Earthcraft allows you to tap your creatures on the board to untap a basic land. So that's, yeah. that's good for generating some mana to cover the cost of these guys. A Fedo Runecaster yep. and Secret Plans, yep. both very, Classic. very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them say whenever a face down creature control is turned face up, draw a card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I like to fill this deck with the cheaper morph costs when possible so that I can use these guys, like the revealing cards cycle from Cons of Tarkir, for example, mm-hmm. just so that you can use a Fedo Rune fa- Caster and Secret Plans as additional combo engines. You can still very much combo with this card. <laughs> In some ways, it's even easier because like when you're playing the Morphs, they draw you cards already. One of the things in Animars, you need to draw one of the effects that lets you draw cards when you cast creatures Mm -hmm. this just kind of does it so like in this way it's like the opposite you have the opposite problem you're like okay i get one for free but then how do i get them all cheaper free and then you can go off i'm a big fan of beast whisperer in this deck as Mm -hmm. one of those draw engines yeah funny enough guardian project works in this deck (laughs) because they don't have a name even if you have multiple morphs on the board, each they new don't. morph oh, does know, that actually doesn't work? have the same name. It specifically calls it out on the, the rulings of Guardian Project. Oh, my goodness. You'd think it wouldn't work, but it does. Right. Oh, dear. That is so crazy. That's so, yeah, very funny. That's a, another great way to combo off. Win conditions, I just figured, like, Triumph of the Hordes, Beastmaster Ascension, the, the standard mm. green ones, whatever. I guess I have an anecdote about Kadena. So there were rumors before these were spoiled as to what the mechanics would be. And it was rumored that these four mechanics would be the themes of the commander decks. So 
some friends and I were discussing, well, how can they make a commander for morph better than making morphs free? And uh, Kadena answered that by saying, well, how about free and you draw cards? <laughs> and here we are. We have a, a better morph commander. I have, I have one more piece of tech I forgot to write down. Oh. That's hilarious. So Mystic Forge from M20 actually works with morphs. Mm. Confirmed. So what it is, it's a four mana artifact. Wow. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Uh, you can cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card. It also has uh, tap, pay one life, exile the top card of your library. So what this does is you can <laughs> look at the top card of your library. If it's a morph, you can cast it as a colorless face down creature. Will be on the stack as yeah. a colorless. Yeah. So oh um, it's one of the silliest <laughs> things. This is something I put in Animar and I forgot to write down for this list oh, when we were so making funny. the notes. But that's also another card that uh, is deceptively good. Yeah, in this I, list. I would say keep an eye on. Uh, like deck lists online for Kadena because Morph has so many weird rules interactions yes. that there's bound to be cards that. Yeah, I want to do. A, you do yours, and I have a warning for people. <laughs> Basically, my warning is Alluren does not work with Morphs mm. because Morph is an alternate cost. You can't pay two alternate costs, so you mm. can't do the Alluren flash for the three mana Morph cost because that's already itself an alternate cost. So don't put Alluren in your Kadena list. That's not going to work. I'm so sorry. Speaking of weird rules interactions, I was totally not aware of this. I found this out yesterday. One of our patrons told me this. If you have a morph cost with X in it, and then like it does something based on that X. It's like Bane of the Living. Bane of the Living. It doesn't actually work within the rules. There's no rules scaffolding for the turn face up trigger to know knowing what oh my goodness what was spent and if you actually look at the ruling for bane of the living (laughs) let me read this out to you (laughs) it's basically like just works yeah that's pretty much what it says (laughs) the x in the ability has the same value as the x paid in the morph ability this is pretty easy to derive since there is no other source of x so basically because you paid X and now you're doing something for X. I guess that's the connection, even though they're not actually touching. There is a gap between those two things. Yeah. So once again, make sure to look at what other people are figuring out that this does double check it and maybe you'll find some sick tech. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. I, I, I love just so everyone knows um, <laughs> morph like the morph trigger, or I guess the morph cost is a special game action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not, Turning it face up doesn't use the stack yeah, yeah. on like most things. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can respond to the trigger once the trigger is on the stack, but turning it face up is not. Yeah, replacing its <laughs> two two nameless, typeless, colorless stat block yeah. with whatever's on the front side. Yeah, it's just here. It's it's over. It's mm-hmm. it's over. Um, but yeah, th- lots of funny interactions. Uh, this deck actually looks really rad. We've got a list that is going to be posted on the page for this episode. Go ahead and click that in your Apple Podcasts or your Stitcher and let us know what you think of the deck. Hopefully it's a helpful resource for you as you start building your own Kadena list. Mm -hmm. So we got some main deck cards now. Let's start us off with Savine's Reclamation. It is two and a white for a sorcery. Return target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If this spell was cast from a graveyard, you may copy this spell and may choose a new target for the copy. And it has flashback, four and a white. I really like this card. I like that it's a white flashback card. I like that it gets better over time. I'm going to look for a use for it in the future. But other than just generic value right now, I can't really see what to do with it. But this is the kind of card where I saw it and was like, 
Okay, I'm probably going to use this one day. This card made me have a revelation of sorts in that the first thing I thought of was getting back lands. This is like a Sun Titan trigger mm-hmm. in a, in spell yeah. form. Oh, yeah. So you get back a land. So if you're using fetch lands, you can you know, get an additional land on the battlefield and go replace that with a basic or a shock or whatever. That led me to this sort of secondary realization that white might be the second best color at ramping. <laughs> which is a very weird state of affairs. It just goes to show, I guess, how much better green is than every other color that Savine's Reclamation is one of the best non-green ramp spells available in sorcery form. <laughs> you you might be right with that. It's hard to think of a good counterexample. This looks like it would be quite good in blue-white X artifact decks so your your breas your cedries because any trinket trophy or tribute mage target is also going to be a savine's reclamation target Mm -hmm. you're probably running all three of those in your artifact deck you probably want to get those artifacts back yeah yeah it's interesting it's funny how much worse one sun titan trigger is and how pretty okay like two triggers is that was the thing that really got me with this card too i was like wow sun titan's really good (laughs) yeah yeah sun titan has proven to be quite the powerhouse sort of as it's continued throughout its life yeah i i I don't really think we're gonna see too much of this card though to be fair no probably not yeah the the one place i could think of that it might be specifically useful rather than just generally useful i'm gonna get back my three drop creature is in Teshar ancestors apostle because mm-hmm. he runs like mesmeric or there's a little bit of self mill in that deck and this is a great way to get back some of the combo pieces that are slightly more difficult to recur in those colors so like the artifact sag outlets like mm-hmm. phyrexian altar ashnod's altar blasting station the potential to mill this and like an altar it seems extremely good yeah yeah, no, I'm I'm probably going to run it in my green-white combo as well, but I think short of that. <laughs> yeah, and again, like in index that are, you know, non-green, running a Sun Titan, looking to recur fetch lands, you might get enough use out of it that you'll want this, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to think... It's worth thinking about. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be thinking about it. This next one, I'm not going to be thinking about it nearly as much. This is Kadena's Silencer. This is a 2-1 Naga Wizard for one and a blue. It also has Megamorph. You can Megamorph it for one and a blue. And so what that means is that you turn it face up and you put a plus one plus one counter on it when you do that. And it has when Kadena Silencer is turned face up, counter all abilities your opponents control. So you both counter all abilities and counter it. Ha ha. Ha. Okay. Okay. It took me a second. Yeah, I gotcha. This is pretty much only going to see play in these like morph lists. It's going to see play in Kadena. It's going to see play in Animar, combo Animar, because it's like a morph with a cheap activation that actually does something. Yeah, very meaningful (laughs) cheap activation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think I'm going to play this anywhere else. Yeah, so I guess all there really is to say on this is it compares real favorably to like Willbender kind of effects, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And Willbender is... You know, the joke is if you see a morph, it's a willbender. If it's meeting that bar, it's a good morph, but, you know, absent an incentive to play morphs, you're probably not going to want to play this. No, I, I agree. Like, five mana is not 
what I want to be paying for a stifle effect. Yeah, even if it hilariously only stifles your opponent's things. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I agree. I, there's very few morphs that I want to play in a deck without other morphs. Mm-hmm, right. And uh, usually it's because it doesn't matter that they have more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next card we're going to talk about is Leadership Vacuum. It is two and a blue for an instant. Target player returns each commander they control from the battlefield to the command zone. Draw a card. My really, really short thought is that this is a weird card. I think it's funny that they printed it. I'm so sorry, Earl. Mm. Earl the Mistalker. <laughs> bye, Earl. Uh, bye, if that's in your playgroup. Mm. Uh, there you go. But that's it. The worst case scenario is you cycle it. But even with like a relatively high floor, I'm not very excited about this card. It's it's really narrow. Um, blue has more efficient spot removal like Pongify, Rapid Hybridization, Reality Shift, and in tune lists in like more CEDH type lists or, or just more competitive metas, the mana saved is worth more than the, the cantrip. I mean, it's a good answer if you have in your meta a lot of commanders with like Shroud, Hexproof, Indestructible, Protection, whatever. Yeah. But it's narrow enough that I wouldn't be willing to run it. Yeah. I I think if you're in a meta with lots of hexproofy, indestructible, Voltron-y decks that you're having a hard time with, I think like at that point, it's okay to like look at it and be like, you know, maybe I'm going to run Leadership Vacuum. Yeah, and I guess that's what makes this card hard to evaluate, right? Because it is going to be that meta dependent. Mm -hmm. So whether or not it makes more sense to want a card or a cheaper CMC is going to matter a lot. Whether it matters more to you that you can take out indestructible and hexproof commanders like that that's going to change a lot based on what you see frequently and this does we confirm this does increase the commander cost when they cast it again right yes okay I so that it does yeah. so that is that actually is a good part about it right I would evaluate this card as being potentially more desirable than something like Pognify and I'll offer a syllogism as to why I believe that. If I were to build a deck that was entirely Memnites and a deck that was entirely Elvish Visionaries, I would rather have a deck that's entirely Elvish Visionaries, personally. Yeah. You're going to run out of Memnites. But you're not going to run out of Elvish Visionaries. But is it worth the two mana in the case of removal for a commander? Maybe it isn't. It's hard to say. Your mileage may vary. Figure out if you want this card in your meta. Yeah, I, think that's the I don't. Line. I don't think this is a staple. I think that's really the bottom line. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think you're actually going to see this too much. I think people are going to test it out as they do when new cards come around, but I don't think you're going to see it all the time. Next card is Angie's Ravager. Yeah, so this is a three-three vampire berserker. It costs two in a red. It's CMC three. You can cast it with madness for one in a red. Angie's Ravager attacks each combat if able. Whenever Angie's Ravager attacks, discard your hand, then draw three cards. I think the you have to attack goobers it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it becomes it becomes a, a card that's kind of tricky to evaluate in a lot of ways, right? Because if you didn't want to do it once, you just wouldn't play it, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't want to do it twice, you would just attack into a board where they'll kill it. Mm-hmm. But they might, I mean, they might just take it to take three. On the flip side, it is drawing you three cards a turn in red. So yeah. it's... You know, it's giving you something that you need in a place you need it, but you know, it's red. You can't choose. It's hard to evaluate. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's super strong just because the like have to attack every turn 
mm-hmm. is like it, it takes away so much of your player autonomy. <laughs> I talk a lot about how much I love Red's cheap rummaging effects, but I'm pretty down on this card. Like with something like a Tormenting Voice or a Faithless Looting or a Cathartic Reunion, you get to choose what cards you're discarding. With Angie's Ravager, you have no choice. It's your entire hand. Goodbye. <laughs> also, you get to choose when you're doing it. With Angie's Ravager, you don't have a choice. It's every turn from now until the end of the game or this dies. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very little choice. It's also very slow. I mean, you will cast it and then have to wait a whole turn to get the benefit back. So if it's something that you really need, you've given your opponents a whole turn to answer it. Whereas like if it's just on a spell or on like a an artifact activation, like a Chandra's regulator or something, then you can do it immediately, get it in your graveyard, get the new card. And then another thing, just from like the design standpoint of like what a madness card should be doing, in order to madness this, you need a discard outlet to start with. And then your reward for like finding a discard outlet with which to get the madness bonus off of Angie's Ravager is you get another discard outlet. It's like I had one in the first place. (laughs) Otherwise, I wouldn't be casting this guy for the madness cost. So why not give me something that I don't have? For the reason that you're saying, it's kind of a red herring in the madness deck in the first place. Like I feel like this is going to be much happier in red-based aggro strategies than it is going to be in a madness deck. Angie Falconwreath already gives you so much control over what you discard and when you do that. You don't need this too. Totally agree. Might be decent in Edgar Markov instead of Vampire at least. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like with Edgar Markov, you your curve is so low that it might be worthwhile to be like... It's a quote-unquote curve topper. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. This next card is actually pretty rad. This is Gearid's Belligerence. It's X, red, red for a sorcery. Gearid's Belligerence deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Whenever a creature dealt damage this way dies this turn, populate. Rolling Thunder hasn't really been a staple in Commander at any given point in time. Like, I've played it in decks in the past, but I don't think since the format has, like, sped up, I've played that card. Mm -hmm. And or I don't think... I've ever played it in a deck that didn't care about X spells or something like that. I don't think that's where you care about this. So like my first inclination was like Omnath 2.0. You get a big 5-5, you cast this, you kill some guys, you get a bunch more 5-5s. And then when those 5-5s die, they deal three to a bunch of stuff. That was my inclination. This looks like it would probably be pretty good in Brutaclad. Yeah, Uh, I I could see, especially in Omnath 2, mm -hmm. taking out like your wood elves and your just your mana dorks in general that have kind of outlived their usefulness getting more five fives to replace those you know you might not have stuff to kill on your opponent's board but like in that deck in particular you're gonna have just one one sitting around like mm-hmm. solemn simulacrums and things that you're done with them trade them <laughs> in for a five five in that deck that's like kind of the floor of the card like you say you're not gonna want to run it unless you're you got tokens you want to make more of that's the draw here there are some commanders that can make weird tokens like mm-hmm. Gyrus, Inala, Gijiki, Felden, Riku. It's slightly better there. I, I also, though, am not high on like paying this much mana for this little damage. Yeah, yeah, it's really not a good output there. Yeah, the fact that it can't hit planeswalkers or players also. Yeah, that I don't, it's I don't only know creatures. that this card would have been much worse to like give you the option. This next one, this is Sanctum Mm. of Eternity. Sanctum of Eternity is a land. 
It taps for a colorless, and it has two tap return target commander you own from the battlefield to your hand. Activate this ability only during your turn. This appears to be useful for commanders that are sorceries so when they enter they do something actually you know what i'll say that point of view i'll be the chump and then you come in with the next level okay (laughs) so it's a solid bounce engine for your etb commanders if you got a commander with etb you just you play it and you bounce it to your hand you can do it again what's your thoughts zakama actually works quite well with it because you just need a few extra mana lying around right you need Mm -hmm. the two to activate it and the nine to play zakama other applications, so Lavinia of the Tenth would be the example I would cite here as like a good commander that you would want to play every turn in an ideal world. You play her for five, detain everything with CMC four or less so it can't attack, block, or activate its abilities. And then with this, you can pay two and tap it. So you've spent eight lands worth of resources to play Lavinia and return her to your hand. You can do that again next turn. For eight mana every turn, you should win rather than merely detain all non-land permanents Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. have CMC four or less. At its best, maybe, you're going to see this in like Eldrazi Titan decks. It's better than a waste. (laughs) Occasionally, you want to cast Kozilek again to draw four more cards. But, you know, anything other than that, just like when you're in excessive mana, Mm -hmm. like fantasy world, you're not going to get enough squeeze out of this. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to see this in every Gaunti list from now on, in every Lavinia list. Any ETB commander from now on is going to have this card in the list, just like, period. It's, it's better than nothing at all, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily make it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I, I will argue against that. I think that from a rhetorical standpoint, Lavinia was a very good choice to demonstrate why this isn't good. But I think there are other commanders with like ETB effects that you'd want to use this that don't necessarily have to happen every single turn. Like letting people out of Lavinia's prison is a lot worse than like giving them a turn off from Massacre Girl or Myogen of Night's Reach. There are some very powerful things that even if you're only bouncing them and recasting them once every couple turns, are going to be really yeah, impactful. Like, mm-hmm. yes, please mm-hmm. rebuild your board, and then I will bounce my Massacre Girl into turn. All right, I'll take your point on that. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty pretty sensible. And the Myogen especially, or a uh, line of attack that hadn't occurred to me, you could get a lot of cards off of Myogen of Seeing Winds. There's like a few of them that I agree with that. Golos is going to love this thing. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. get more land. Like, they're... Like there's obviously like they've printed so many of these cards over the years that like it is just going to see play. That is just how it's gonna be. If you have a commander that enters the battlefield and does something and it isn't Lord of Tressorhorn, you want this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think it only suffers in so far as sorcery commanders suffer generally. Yeah. I wanna read this next card. This is Scare Tiller. It is four mana for a one four artifact creature scarecrow. When it becomes tapped, choose one. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped, or return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Artifacts stealing white design space. (laughs) For shame. Disgusting. Again, if you're running like a white deck where its kit includes lots of fetch lands (laughs) so you can return them, you're going to play this too, along with your Crucible of Worlds and your Sun Titan and your Savine's Reclamation. Four mana is kind of expensive. Yeah, I would be a lot more willing to run this in like 
colorless, mono white, mono red list if it costs three. But to like cast it on turn four and then on turn five, get your first trigger feels pretty not good. Mm. I think we found two decks that work or might work with him reaper king he's a little too expensive he's the top end of your like scarecrows there yeah like reaper king between all the changelings and the cheap scarecrows we've seen over the years four mana is just a little bit too much unless it's like grave shifter or or the changeling that comes into play and makes another changeling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that one's pretty good two changelings two changelings but yeah other than that like (laughs) king makar and amara soul of the accord those are the two lists that we found that were already running like uh springly drum pretty Mm -hmm. consistently both of those commanders want to get tapped one does something when he untaps the other one does something when she taps so of course you'd run springly drum so you cast a commander and just immediately can tap him and get value i would figure those decks might want to run this guy because you get the trigger immediately i assume both of them are running fetch lands car feels better than the better fit because you're not you don't have green in your color identity you're willing to do whatever it takes to get your ramp. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also, King Macarlis usually run Clock of Omens. So mm. Clock of Omens is four mana, tap two artifacts, untap target artifact. So that's pretty good with this guy who is an artifact and does something when he becomes tapped. King Macar is where I was kind of settling on like, I think this deck will run it. Yeah, this was a really peculiar choice to have it be a tap trigger. <laughs> yeah. it, it was something that I didn't pick up on until the second read. I looked at it and was like, oh, it seems like maybe an Enter the Battlefield ability. I know. I, I, and then I read, read it again and was like, first. tapped. Yeah. yeah, like, what are you trying to incentivize by having me attack with this 1-4 or, like, equip a Paradise Mantle? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> are we going to see a bunch of Paradise Mantle reprints or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No clue. Very wow. bizarre. Yeah, I just want to say, though, that I love that we have seen more random Scarecrows recently. Playing Commander for 10 years or so and like playing all these different decks has like made me jaded towards most parts of the game that like newer <laughs> players enjoy. But I really just like Scarecrows. I... And they finally made one that cares about land. Yeah. See, that's some design space right there. <laughs> right there. Yep. <laughs> Rather than like caring about colors and stuff, that didn't actually make What's, any sense. What the heck but... is going on with that? But yeah. land, Scarecrows go on land. Yeah. That's what they do. We'll have more for you next weekend. We will uh, have the rest of the cards for you. Oh, yeah, you. we get a oh, deck next a day. weekend? Next oh, my weekend. goodness. Yeah, I guess that's... Wow. Yeah, it's going to be How very time flies. busy spoiler season. Yeah. Oh, exciting. And then just a reminder, we will be doing the commander party at Vegas, so... Me and Nick will each have one of these decks if you want to. Yeah, randomly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know which one yet. <laughs> so if you want to come and hang out with us, we'll be at Magic Fest Vegas. And then I want to say thanks to Alex for being here. Yeah. Uh, once again, a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I had a great time the first time I was here and just as great a time the second time as well. Oh. Yeah, so. we really appreciate your perspective. And I think we've had some some great debates and we hope to have more <laughs> Before we go, I want to say thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Eamon, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Brock, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, and Hannah. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to consistently do this, produce good content, and we love all your your input and ideas, yeah. and we're, we're appreciative of all of you. If you want to become a patron because you are not currently one, you can go to patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. 